Listening to booze, bullshit, and true crime. I'm. <laughs> She's Bree. I'm Wade. That's Wade. We're She's Bree. We're gonna talk about some gnarly shit. I'm Wade. Am I Bree? I'm Wade. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. He's sure. How was your week? My week was pretty good. My weekend was pretty good. Yeah. What'd we do? We went to Santa Cruz and I lost my voice. Is gone. Probably from all that Jameson that you guzzled furiously. Probably. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Come on. What? That I puked? <laughs> well, no, not that. <laughs> but, yes. Wait through up. <sighs> what? Just the... Okay. So, when we went to Santa Cruz, it was like a Saturday. And we only live maybe three hours away from Santa Cruz. So, we decided at like noon. I was like, I've been so sad. And all we do is work, which is not very fun right now. And then we come home, and we just sit, and then we go back to work, and then we do it all over again, and I'm sick of it. So we went to Santa Cruz, and then I had a fat fibromyalgia flare-up, and I was fucking miserable. And I knew Wade was super, super drunk, because he was just having a good old time, which I'm happy, because I wasn't very much fun. Uh, that whole weekend, I was not doing good. Not doing good. Not doing good. Um, but... I knew he was drunk, but I woke up the next morning, Sunday morning, and we had, like, a brand new fifth. Was it a fifth? Yeah. Yeah. Of Jameson, and it had, like, a little itty-bitty bit at the bottom. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. A little too much. <clears throat> Didn't you wake up at, like, three in the morning and drink more, though? No, that's... No. That's when I realized I was a little fucked up. I woke up, and I looked at the bottle, and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, you went to take another shot, and then you were like, I do no, not I need another shot. No, I just woke up, and I looked at the bottle, and <laughs> I never wanted another shot or anything. It just, I realized That's that not that what point. he told me. Oh, please. <laughs> She's making shit up. I also got a new tarot deck. That you did. That I just read Wade's cards with. It's really cool. I've never seen anything like it. It's called um, Tarot in Wonderland, so it's like a tarot deck that the artwork is based off of Alice in Wonderland. And the art, the artwork's beautiful. Agreed. I, I think it's pretty. Um, but I was reading about it a little bit to him, talking about like how Alice in Wonderland and Tarot and how they go together and how Alice in Wonderland is kind of like a diverse, crazy story of life and adulthood. And anyways, I digress. They're really pretty. If anybody wants to see them, ask me and I'll show you a picture. Uh. They're awesome. What else? Was there anything else I wanted to say? Oh, I cut the shit out of my hand at work today. Really? Yeah. So we have these things called uh, DBH tapes, which DBH is diameter at breath, breast height, which is like how big a tree is around when you hug it. And then we just shorten it to D-tape. So anyways, I was holding a D-tape, and there was this tree growing in a road cut. So it was like a super, super steep slope, and the tree was like right in the middle at the most... I guess vaulted or you know it was it was on a slope it was on a really steep slope on the side of a highway and so I stuck the d-tape in because it has like a little like nail that you stick in so it stays in the tree and I'm walking up to get around the tree and the soil was so 
squishy that I fell and ate shit and I was holding the D-tape and it just cut me like almost in between my fingers and it's not very long but it's super super deep and I bled all over myself so that happened and that's actually the second time I've done that this week I also cut myself where and was those it? aren't the worst no no I've seen worse you can cut your hand down to the bone it's like yeah. a sharpened um measuring tape it's the same, the one that, like, zips back in the thing that you played with when you were a little kid. It's the same thing. It just has different measurements on it. Yeah. And it's thinner, which is worse. So you could wrap it. So you could Diamond of tree. Diamond of a tree. So we literally get to hug trees all day. That's how I measure them. I hug them and I throw the tape around. Literally. Poison oak and all. Sometimes I stay there for a second if I really like the tree. Poison oak is blooming already. It's February. Also, I pulled the second tick out of me that I have this week, so that was great. I kept feeling something like on my hip bone underneath my pants, and my pants had a tag in them, so I thought it was... You know when like you have a tag and it pinches into your skin and you don't realize it until it moves? Mm-hmm. And that hurts. I thought it was that. And I came in to take a shower and unbuttoned my pants to go to get in the shower. And there's just this tick chilling. And I was like, ploop, and took it out and swiftly threw it in the toilet and then felt gross and then told you and dad about it. Nice. (laughs) So what are we talking about this week? Asylums. What kind of asylums? Well, asylums aren't. They're not asylums anymore. No. Mental health facilities. And their crimes. Yeah. So we kind of probably went different routes because I usually come up with a theme and I was just like, psychiatric hospitals. That's it. That That's it. That's the theme. And he's like, well, do you want like your... And I'm like, nope, that's it. That's what it is. So I more went with a older psychiatric facility that was real bad. Real bad? Real bad. So that's the crime. I don't know if you did an actual, like, murder case or not. I did not. No, I did a bad facility, too. Bad doctor. Okay. Not bad dog? Not bad dog. Bad Bad doctor. doctor. Okay. Just checking. All right. Well, I did a little bit of background. Nice. Yeah, and I think it's actually pretty freaking interesting. Nice. So I'll go over it. So today we are talking about old school insane asylums. I think that's where you were going when you said asylums. Otherwise known as lunatic asylums is another word they went by. A phrase not super acceptable nowadays to say. It's really not acceptable at all. Yeah, no, it's not. No. These types of facilities gradually transformed into what we know now as a modern psychiatric hospital. So, Mm. the right term that I used. While there were earlier institutions that existed that housed the mentally and emotionally disturbed, society as a whole came to the conclusion during the 19th century that putting disturbed individuals into facilities was the best way to, you know, deal with them. It was during this time that people actively started seeking solutions to this problem beyond their families and local communities. Mm-hmm. So, it was like the 1960s. <laughs> it was the 1960s. No. Yeah. No, not really, actually. In the 19th century, which is the 1800s, is when things started changing. Kind of. When they started getting organized. Before this, it was literally like somebody owned a house 
and it was like an adult babysitter kind of thing, or it was a family dealing with the situation, or it was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was during the 1800s when they were like, okay, we need to like actually get something together, you know, that can help these people, because we can't just have them running around, yeah. essentially. Uh, before this psychiatric liberation in the 19th century, there really was no public funds to help families struggling with a relative suffering from mental health conditions. Besides a few state or county run houses where mistreatment was rife and nothing was regulated. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Like in the 1800s, it wasn't good. It was horrible, but that's when actual asylums and mental health hospitals started becoming a thing. It was seen as a domestic problem that you had to deal with on your own before that. So you got a crazy person in your family, and that's your shit. Got to deal with it. At this time, there were private facilities. So while, like, state-run facilities were getting on their feet and rolling, there were also private facilities as well, referred to as madhouses, which is great. Uh, you could send someone there for care, although these facilities... <laughs> facilities? Facilities? were reserved for the middle to upper class due to the super, super high fees they charged. Uh. So it's kind of aligned with the struggle of having an elderly parent and sending them to a shitty state-run facility if you're poor where they get mistreated or being able to afford a lavish one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nowadays, things are a little different. Overall, care within facilities has improved and treatment has moved in a direction of compassion and therapy rather than fucking lobotomies and torture. There are state-run and funded programs so patients that need treatment are not turned away. Now, I am not saying in any way that our mental health system is perfect or great or anything like that, but it's a hell of a lot better than it was 200 years ago. Yeah. It's evolving. Yeah. (laughs) Slowly. You don't seem very sold on that idea. Slowly is. Yeah. I'm just saying it's better than us drilling holes in people's skulls. It is better than that. Now that we have a super brief history on mental health facilities, how about we touch on some torture and techniques of the past, shall we? Oh. Are you mouthing my notes? No. I have something in my teeth and it's really bugging me. That's what dental floss is for. I know, but I don't have any right in my hand, and I don't think you guys want to hear me floss my teeth. I will keep on trucking through this chicken in my tooth. First up, we have wooden cages. In 1874, The Carbon Advocate, which was a newspaper out of Pennsylvania, reported about how mentally disturbed and poor patients were being severely mistreated. Um... And these people were staying at what they called a county alms house. So it was another term for madhouse, basically. So an alms house was like a state-funded, usually shitty, yeah, mental health facility. The patients were all nearly, nearly nude or completely nude, kept in wooden cages with no bathroom. And there was only straw on the floor for bedding. No bed, nothing. Just like a bare concrete room with hay on the floor and a wooden cage around it and no bathroom. A lot of these patients were too weak to stand or move due to being crowded in cages for years. Simulated drowning was also a thing. A 1903 account of this practice at Topeka Asylum, which I saw your notes and I think that's why you did, but don't say yes or no because you haven't said yet. 
For the insane is described in this next quote. So this quote is describing Topeka. When a patient refused to obey orders given by the head of staff, the attendants were ordered to throw a sheet over their head and draw them to the floor while the attendants held the patient. The head of staff poured water out of a pan into their face. The water poured fast and the pouring continued until the patient agreed to obey orders. Sounds about right. Fucked. Yeah. Want to hear my notes about them? It was just brief notes. It wasn't anything great. Yeah, I can stop here if you want to. Well, I have this much left. <clears throat> of notes about Topeka? No, just background. Oh. Whatever, go ahead. I'm sorry for telling everybody about the chicken in my teeth, too, by the way. That was pretty gross. That, yeah. But I had this fried rice that we got from Fresno, and it was fucking amazing. Special fried rice? Special from... fried rice. Chicken, beef, uh, pork, egg... Odd bacon stuff. and shrimp, or mm, no shrimp. No shrimp, but bacon. I, I think I ate all the shrimp. I didn't get any shrimp, so. Oh, You're a dick. You you are rude. Um, okay, so that was simulated drowning. Starving <coughs> also occurred rather often in these facilities as well. There are many accounts of staff starving patients under their care, sometimes to death. Jesus. They would withhold food to try and, like, control their behavior yeah. or just to be a fucking dick. Or because they were low on resources. Because they were overcrowded. Because most of these places were. I also read accounts of people being flogged while in a straitjacket. Specifically, Bellevue Hospital in the late 1800s, which I remember watching a Ghost Adventures episode on Bellevue. Mister. Can, you, can you explain what flogged is? Flogging is hitting somebody with... Usually a, like, rope or something that gives slack and then something hard or pokey at the end. Correct? I don't know about the hard and poking thing, but yeah. Well, usually people are flogged with... hard. I think it's just, like, a hard object. Well, this is, this is what their version of flogging is, I'll okay. tell you. So, this account specifically came from Bellevue Hospital in the late 1800s. A witness had... Okay... Hold on. <laughs> so this witness, her husband was in Bellevue Hospital, and her, the wife, was coming to visit him. She witnessed her husband forced to walk up and down a corridor in a straitjacket, being flogged by an employee wielding a long strap tipped with metal. So they were just walking behind him, and it was why well, I was saying it's usually like a rope, because you can like whip it, you know what I mean? Mm. You can like fucking whip it and then the object at the end is super hard so they were just walking him around this corridor up and down and hitting him with this thing in a straight jacket yeah warm baths were given as a solution to help pac patients relax as well at these facilities however there are cases of staff abusing this practice in 1903, at an insane asylum in Kansas, a patient died from scalds received during a bath there. The patient's death on hospital records, though, cited uh, senility, which is, like, basically dying from being senile. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so that's bad. Patients were also left in these hot baths for hours to days in some cases, just, like, forgotten about. In 1878, horrific reports of torture at the Columbus Insane Asylum started leaking. Maybe most disturbing was the report of patients being dunked in water repeatedly. 
They would hold them under the water until almost strangled, let them regain their composure for just a second or two, and repeat the process over and over again until the patient was... They were like, you know, are you going to fucking behave? Are you going to listen? That is... Being them into submission. Yeah, and that's me just, like, briefly touching on some of the things that happen, and probably still happen at a lot of these hospitals, but... That's just some of them that I read and went, oh, that is real bad. And then I'll go over some different, what I went over in my case, I didn't go over in my background. So I have some different, like, abuses that happened at the hospital I did as well. So do you want to go first? No, you're good. I, oh, it seemed like you were all excited to talk about something that is or is not Topeka. It's not, but it was related to Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, I guess I'll tell my story first then. You I didn't do that. I didn't go like super, super far and super, super deep because I literally could have done as many notes on this as I wanted because there's so much information out there um, about different things relating to these cases and this hospital and the history behind it and all that, but I just kind of wanted to go basic and do an overview of everything for you guys. So I am going to bring up a quote really quick. It was super long, so I don't want to hand copy it because I'm still old school and I still hand write my notes. Can you hear the pages slipping? Maybe definitely can hear it now. <laughs> um, <coughs> I did want to cite my source. I'm sorry. I didn't cough into the microphone. I had a phlegmy thing. I smoke. By the way, we went and talked to a customer a couple of weeks ago, and oh, right before we left the house, he was he was pretty nice about it, but he was like, so, when are you guys going to stop smoking? And we're like, uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> we were just standing outside his house, so we must have just smoked a cigarette and then walked up and smelled like it. But I always feel bad because I have no explanation as to why I'm still smoking cigarettes to anybody. I know it's bad. I know I should stop. I know it's expensive. I know it makes me look dumb. I don't... No comment. You have no comment? No comment. Okay. All right. So my source for all of my research basically was an article off of allthatsinteresting.com on my hospital I did, which is the Byberry Mental Hospital. And House nice. of Whores is what I called it because it is horrific. Good yeah. job. Okay. So, this is the quote that I'm going to read for you guys. It is from a 1946 Life magazine expose of Philadelphia's Byberry Mental Hospital. Quote, Thousands spend their days, often for weeks at a stretch, locked in devices euphemistically called restraints. Thick leather handcuffs, great canvas camisoles, muffs, mitts, wristless locks, wristlets, locks, and straps, and restraining sheets. Which, I don't even know what a restraining sheet is. I imagine it's just a sheet that they tighten around you so you can't move. Straight jacket. Why don't you just call it a fucking straight jacket? Anyways. Hundreds are confined in lodges, bare bedless rooms reeking with filth and feces. <laughs> By day, lit only through half-inch holes in steel-plated windows. By night, merely black tombs in which the cries of the insane echo unheard from the peeling plaster of the walls. So, there are reporters that were actually like... <coughs> he is, you are trying so hard 
got the cuffs. So there were reporters that actually, um, like, got into the facility and were able to, like, take pictures and write articles and kind of expose all the abuses that were happening. Because once it started to leak a little bit, then everybody started to really want to get as much information as they could. So people were, like, sneaking in there and doing investigative journalism or getting themselves committed in there or whatever to report. Okay. Jesus. Even today, patients in psychiatric hospitals experience abuse, but as we're previ- as we've previously spoken on, in the past, these places have been downright volatile. These places is in psychiatric hospitals. Like, shit was crazy back in the day before they had any understanding of mental illness. Byberry State Hospital in Philadelphia is a shining example of this. What started out in 1903 as a working farm for a handful of unstable patients eventually grew into a multi-building campus. And that little farmhouse where at first they just housed a handful, it was part of Holmesburg Prison, which was a prison that was in the general area on those grounds as well. And I think they just probably already had this farmhouse on the property and these mentally ill individuals were struggling, so they moved them over to this farm to work and be segregated from gin pop. Yeah, okay. Which at the time makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, a cool thing about this Byberry State Hospital, before I forget, because I realized I did all my notes and didn't put this in, I'm not sure if it was connected to the prison, but underneath Byberry, people call them catacombs, but really what they are is a intricate system of um connected tunnels so they could like transport patients dead or alive underneath the facility without bringing them through the building so there's a lot of secrecy like it just seems weird i think it's also too so the staff could get from one edge of the campus to the other without being surrounded by individuals that yeah you know they may or may not had to have watched their background, depending on what kind of wing they were in, blah, blah, blah. Although the facility relieved overcrowding from other mental health facilities in the area, the facility being Byberry, it grew so fast that it could not hire enough qualified individuals to keep up with all the people that they were accepting. So they were over capacity. Like at the time when it was at its peak, I think it was built for 2,000 patients and they had 4,000 patients. Like it was... Yeah, it was... I'll get into that. Soon the administrators were hiring any Joe Schmo off the street because they were just so fucking desperate. You didn't need experience or even training to land the job. You had to have two thumbs and apply, and the job was yours. And you are working with people who are either victims of severe trauma or experiencing severe mental illness, and you are literally just hiring somebody that is just off the street. Not good. At the same time, around 3,000 objectors to the Second World War that refused to fight due to religious reasons were forced to work at the mental hospitals all around the country, including at Byberry, which I guess that was like their punishment or their quote-unquote military work because they couldn't fight. That's what they did. I had never heard that. Had you? Yeah. I've heard of stuff, but it's interesting. Yeah, and 3,000, you know, compared to how many people got drafted, I don't feel like that's a whole, whole, whole lot, but I didn't know they did that. 
that just seemed like make him do something okay but work in a mental hospital i don't know seems like he need a qualified compassionate person for that but i don't know although truly empathetic and caring employees did work at byberry a number of employees carried out disturbing abuses um there was an account that i read that basically said that a lot of the nurses would actually like physically abuse these patients like beat the fucking shit out of them and just make sure that nobody actually saw them do it because then at that point you can be like oh you know mary the her roommate did it you know what i mean like this is a mental health facility you can just be like oh that person's crazy so they just didn't let anybody else see them do it and acted like it didn't happen As recent as the 1980s, terrifying accounts of abuse had been heard from this facility, which that was not that long ago. 1980 was not that long ago. Take 27-year-old William Kirch. I think that's how you say his name? Kirsch? It's K-I-R-S-C-H. How would you say it? Yeah, it's Kirsch. Kirsch? Kirsch. He was continuously held in restraints for somewhere between 14 months and 3 years. Damn. Continuously. Without being let out of them or let to walk around or sit up or anything. Yeah. The U.S. District Court for Eastern Pennsylvania found that Byberry was infringing on William's basic human rights. No fucking shit. And ordered him to be released. His attorney was quoted as stating, I hope the state has not injured this poor young man to the point where it is now irreparable he was much better when he went in there seven or eight years ago so this place did him no favors Fuck. it exacerbated his mental health exactly. and he was locked up for three years straight due to understaffing at byberry there was a crazy low ratio ratio of orderlies to patients so there was no socialization of the people there was no supervision Because of the low ratio of orderlies to patients, patients were often left unbathed and even unclothed due to not having enough people to keep up on the laundry. Bedding was left unwashed, and the floor was literally sticky with piss. Like, the place was fucking disgusting. If they're leaving somebody in restraints for three years in their bed and not letting them get up, if if they shit themselves over and over again, you think they're going to clean it up? Like you wouldn't treat an animal, you wouldn't treat your dog like that. Mm. I wouldn't treat somebody I hated like that. Yeah, that's. And this person's already probably confused and struggling. I don't know. Gets me going. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Uh, also, fun fact that's not fun at all. Because of this understaffing. Orderlies would actually pick out male patients they thought were the most, like, quote, stable. And this was a state-run facility, so a lot of these people were placed here because of crimes they committed. And they would have them watch the children's unit. Like, watch the kids. The patient? Yeah. So a lot of sexual abuse happened in the children's ward because they had these mentally ill men in their looking after the children with nobody else there. There's nobody else there. That's why they had the patients there, because they were like, we don't want to leave a room full of three- and four-year-old children alone, but we literally can't be here because there's not enough of us, so let's stick one of you guys in here to make sure they don't kill themselves. Yeah. Very, very sad. 
Instead of assisting and tending to the patients, the staff kept them in four-point restraints like they did William Kirsch. Even a decade before William's case in 1970, 57 deaths had ha- Oh, no. His case was in 1980. Um, so... At 1970, 10 years before William's case, 57 deaths had happened at Byberry that were solely attributed to patient neglect. 57. It's too many. How did they stay open this long? I don't get it. And there were probably more that went unreported, like, you know, the one that they said the person basically died of old age because she was crazy, and that's not what happened. Byberry had an open-door policy of sorts with the high-functioning residents, so they kind of had a lot of freedom. This, unfortunately, made it very, very, very easy for patients to escape. Naturally. Residents in the area occasionally found patients sleeping on their lawns. (laughs) And they just call and be like, Jerry's on my lawn, come get him. Doing real good. Sadly, though, some residents did commit suicide as soon as they got out of the facility and away from the hospital. On a cold February day, a patient escaped. He, oh, you know what? Did I? Anyways, I made a comment earlier and I don't think I told that story yet. So if I said something that didn't make sense, that's why. I'm doing good. Okay. Doing good. On a cold February day, a patient escaped. He uh, rethought his decision. It was fucking cold in February in Philadelphia at that time. He tried to get back in, but he could not locate a staff member to assist him, and he died of exposure outside. Wow. Yeah. Couldn't get anybody's attention for long enough that he died because it was so cold outside. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Really bad. Um, you didn't go to the, one of the neighbor's houses? I guess he couldn't find one. I know it was on, like, vast acreage. I know there was neighbors. I'm not... I didn't go super deep into that case, but I just thought it was really sad that he, like, got out. He was like, I'm getting out of here. And then gets out there, and he's like, oh, no, I fucked up. It's cold. Yeah. And if somebody would have been there for him to let him in, he would have been fine. I have another quote I'm going to read, and this has to do with the water torture that they did at Byberry. They called it the water cure. An attendant soaked a large towel in water. After wringing it out, he clamped the towel around the patient's neck. The attendant pulled the ends together and began to twist. First, he tightened the noose. Then he gave the towel a slow turn to let the patient know what he was in store for. The patient begged for mercy, but the twisting continued. The patient's eyes bulged, his tongue swelled, his breathing labored. At length, his body fell back on the bed. His face was dreadful white, and he did not appear to be breathing. Fifteen minutes elapsed before he showed signs of returning to life. The patient was, quote, subdued. Jeez. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah really bad okay um so this act the quote described left no physical marks on the body which kept the practice under wraps you know can't there's no marks from it can't prove anything happened some of the biggest abuses though at byberry revolved around medication 
On one hand, the facility under-medicated the patients. When it came to dental work or procedures that involved pain, even surgeries, painkillers were not given at all. The doctors were under the impression that schizophrenics and mentally disturbed patients could not feel pain. Okay. That sounds... Yeah, that sounds about right. This wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I... Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, the staff severely over-medicated the patients in certain situations as well. Thorazine was one drug handed out like candy at the facility. They loved that drug. And there was a reason for it. A pharmaceutical company named Smith, Klein, and French opened a lab inside of Byberry Walls. Okay. Yeah, so like inside the hospital. They're like, we're yeah. going to set up shop. The company did extensive, albeit questionable, drug trials. Um... And they were doing them on patients who couldn't even really consent or they didn't have any family around either to consent for them. And Thorazine was the drug that they were trying to roll out. So during that time, that's what they were really like heavily doing their trials and experimentation with was Thorazine. Mm -hmm. Which is like, that drug's a big deal. It's not any small potatoes. Hundreds of patients died while being a part of these trials. This hospital saw murder too. In 1919, two orderlies actually confessed to strangling a patient until his eyes dislodged from his eye sockets. And I think that's the story I referenced earlier mm. that I hadn't said yet. Did I say that? No, you're talking about people escaping. And then he told the story about the guy leaving in February. And so I did make sense. It made, all of it made sense. It was fine. Man, I... Yep. <laughs> I am doing good. I was just going to let you continue. I need to be more confident in myself. That is another conversation. Okay. So, strangled this dude. Did it where nobody saw. Eyes popped out of the eye sockets. Kid actually passed away from the strangling. Really horrific. The orderly's defense was that the attack stemmed from their PTSD they both sustained during World War One. Not only were they not prosecuted in any way whatsoever, they were kept on staff at a higher pay grade. Nice. I don't understand. That's ridiculous. I don't know. Why are you paying them more, though? Yeah. They killed someone. Outrageous. Yeah. Patients committed murder on each other, too. In 1944, a patient attacked another with a sharpened spoon, narrowly missing his jugular. In 1987, a... F- <laughs> Trust me, there was way more than these. I just thought that one was crazy, that that kid took enough time to sharpen a fucking spoon and then aimed for that person's jugular, and a witness was, like, right there to see all of it, which is crazy, because that wasn't a staff member that I read that story from. In 1987, this is... Okay, this is, like, the craziest point in my whole story. A female patient was raped, killed, and discarded by another patient on the hospital grounds. He scattered her remains all over the entire campus of the hospital. And the only reason the the staff discovered her body is because they found other patients playing with the victim's teeth and mandible. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The mandible, what is it? The, this. The the bottom bottom part of your jaw. Yeah. So if they were just playing with the mandible and they didn't give great detail on what condition the remains were in, that had to have been sitting there for a while. Like, it sounded to me like there was no flesh on the bone. Because also, teeth, when you first die, there's still all that connective tissue. 
So you're yeah. not going to be able to just like rip a tooth. You like you have to have tools to get a tooth out of a mouth. So I think this person had died or was killed, rotted. Sounds about right. Yeah, super disturbing. In nineteen, can you imagine that orderly too? Just like do 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 do, walking down the hall, and there's these two people with a fucking human jaw and a bunch of teeth, and like he. Playing fucking marbles with it. Jesus, no. Do you play marbles? Do I play marbles? No, is that a thing? Is marbles a thing? What do you do with marbles? Yeah, you play marbles. How do you play marbles? You, there's a circle and you knock them out. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. In 1989, two more bodies of patients were discovered on the property of the facility. Groundskeepers had been tasked with de-weeding the area, which led to the discovery of two bodies, which, oh my God, how many weeds were there that it was covering up two bodies? One of these patients that was found had been missing close to five months. Jeez. So bodies literally laying in the grass and the weeds around the facility, where the patients can go, obviously, mm -hmm. and they just stayed there. Yeah, five months. Then, on December 7th, 1987, a press conference was held announcing the closing of Byberry because of the many atrocities happening at the facility. The facility was slated to close the, slated to close, slated to close. <laughs> The following year, but issues with patients delayed the process. Most pressingly, one of these issues was that two released patients were found dead in the Delaware River within two days. So they were both released in succession, and one day after another, they were both found dead in the river. The hospital officially closed in June of 1990. All Some of their patients were relocated. 2,500 of them were just released out into the world and a lot of these people had been in the system for their entire lives oh. and they're like be free have fun bye yeah great. great and that place is haunted as shit i really wanted to do a little bit on the ghosts there and stuff like that but i didn't really have enough time but there was a lot of um Satanic rituals, quote-unquote, happening at the hospital. A lot of residents who live around the area, and this place is demolished now, but they still hear, like, moaning and shit coming from that area of the woods. There were a few ghosts that people saw on, like, a regular basis and some crazy EVPs that people caught, like, haunted as fuck. Damn. Yep, that's it. That's a lot of shit. That's a long-ass fucking word. Say that for me. <laughs> the institutionalized. Nope, that isn't the word you wrote. Deinstitutionalization. Oh, sorry. That's the first word of his notes, and I just looked and I was like, holy shit, that has like 27 letters in it. Yeah. And why is the name of your notes mental? That's not very nice. Can you not pick apart my notes? No. It's just what I wrote for my title and my notes. That's mean. Okay, miss. I got blue lips. Do I have blue lips? Yes. Why? <laughs> what? What the <laughs> fuck? Why do I have blue lips? I don't know. Your bottom oh. lip's blue. Our lights don't work. Oh, no. You blew the breaker again. Breaker, breaker. <laughs> this is Bree. Can you start your notes, please? We got a problem in the bathroom. <laughs> we got no lights. I got no fan to turn on when I make a big poop. <laughs> <laughs> I make big poop. 
Uh, anyways, when you're talking about, like, the government and, like, state and federal facilities moving towards, like, improvements, that all kind of started, like, the 1960s, pretty much. Okay. Of, like, serious improvements from them moving away from insane asylums, lunatic asylums. So them being nice to people that are struggling, essentially. In a sense, not really, because it was still the 60s, shit still happened. I know shit still happened, but, like, more focusing on therapies and less on, like, shocking them into submission. Yeah, but there's also, it, it was still, it, yeah, it still had a negative impact. Because really all it was doing was just cutting budgets. You know lobotomies are still done in parts of the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Yep, yep. So, I, I found, like, three of my top. The Saint Asylums, because ever since I watched uh, American Horror Story, mm-hmm. Asylums, mm-hmm. I really, I've always been interested in Asylums, and they've always been crazy. They're always good at horror stories. They are. And good places to go visit. Some are ruins and still operational, and some are just ruins. So, some are good. Ruins and operational? Yeah, I'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, so, like, top. uh... Topeka. Topeka. Topeka, sorry. State Hospital in Kansas. They've been, they've been, or they were around since like fucking early 1800s, or late 1800s. 1872 is the first date that I got of them. That makes sense, because that was the turn of the century is when they started really even having those kinds of hospitals. Mm Mm-hmm. And then... Like, by the early 20th centuries is when I found, like, rumors of rape and mistreatment and shit like that happening in the hospital. Or had already been happening in the hospital. I bet it happened from the get. Mm-hmm. And then the hospital was actually, they were always under investigation for unethical, like, chaining of patients and neglect. Oh, jeez. And in uh, 1950 or 1951... The hospital received, like, a damaging, like, criticism when it was uh, revealed that John Crabb, a 59-year-old patient, was mentally insane and wrongly uh, incarcerated. So mentally sane. Yeah, he was mentally sane. And after his period, the hospital rapidly went on, like, underwent, like, improvements and ensured correct uh, diagnoses and... Okay, treatments and stuff. That like was that. my question. So basically, he went there to get assessed, and whoever diagnosed uh-huh. him diagnosed him incorrectly. Yes, incorrectly. Yes, and he was wrongfully incarcerated. Incarcerated. Do you know how long he was there? No, uh, I think like three years. Oh my <laughs> fucking god! Yep. That is a horror story. And then he talked about the most important story. And that'll make you go crazy too. Yeah. That was the biggest part. He was sane, and then he left not as sane. <laughs> God damn. <clears throat> so, uh, the second one is Metropolitan State Hospital, and it's uh, Massachusetts. They first opened in 27. The institution was the largest and most advanced hospital of its kind in Massachusetts. The location of the hospital was chosen based on... Uh, the needs for mental health treatment in the greater Boston area, and actually, most of like 
mental health facilities are Massachusetts based. Like special facilities and treatment facilities. Why? I have no idea why the biggest population is there. I don't know. I know a weird person from Massachusetts. <laughs> must be something in the water. Yeah, it must be something in the water. I'm just kidding. That's so insensitive. <laughs> oh, God. So Don't at me. Sorry. <laughs> so, however, not everything about the progressive hospital was as it appears. It soon earned a grim nickname as the Hospital of Seven Teeth. Okay. Uh, Why? In 78, a patient named Anne Marie DeVee. DeVee? DeVee? Uh, was out for a walk on the grounds, and she actually never returned from that walk. Was the grounds like a gated area? Or she yeah, was just... it was. It was a big ass open fucking area, a bunch of acres and shit. But was it gated in? <clears throat> I'm pretty sure. I okay. don't know. Okay. I didn't fucking look up. Usually they are. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was guarded. Uh, it was not until like 1980. That the truth of what happened to her was finally uncovered. Melvin Wilson, a former patient, uh, revealed three separate graves to law enforcement where he buried parts of uh, Annie's body. Oh, God. To top it off, he actually kept seven of her teeth as souvenirs <gasps> of his deed. <sighs> the hospital remained open for a short time before closing in 1992 to budget cuts. Today, part of the campus has actually been converted into apartment housings, while others remain open to the public as a historic site for walk and walking trips. That's fucking badass, but seriously, that's how you get some scary shit happen, is live in an apartment yeah. on a site above that. But how little supervision is there that he was able to get out there with her, kill her, dismember her, bury her in three separate graves that he had to dig, get back into the facility wearing bloody clothes, and get rid of those. Nuts. And there, the other one is uh, Willowbrook State Hospital. This is on uh, Staten Island. Hold on. You know that now that you told me there's walking trails, yeah, we have yeah, to go to Massachusetts to go climb around in that building, right? Yep. Okay. I figured that. Well... <laughs> Uh, the Massachusetts, or Massachusetts, the Staten Island Institution uh, for Mentally Ill Children, yeah, Willowbrook. Willowbrook State School. State School, what did I say? You just didn't say what it was called. Uh, Willowbrook State School, sorry. Was for Mentally Ill Children. It opened in uh, 1947. From the very beginning... Uh, Willowbrook suffered from outbreaks of herpes or hepatitis. Those I mean, are sorry. two very yeah, different things. Okay, how? Why did? Why did that happen? Hepatitis A. Anyways, medical professionals use the institution as a place <gasps> of study to uh, study the effects of the disease and treatment of, of drugs. Did they give them hepatitis A? I'm assuming. What do you mean you're assuming? Yeah, it didn't say why all these children were infected. No, I mean, and nothing actually like said one hundred percent that they infected the children with hepatitis. They just had a bunch of outbreaks of hepatitis in a row. Hmm. Okay. Can like literally from the very beginning of I think it was nineteen forty eight or forty nine is when it started, and they had like three years straight. 
That's weird. Uh, uh, by the 70s, uh, public outage or outrage at using like sick children as medical guinea pigs forced such ex- uh, experiments to like cease, pretty much stop. Good. Yeah, they were pretty, you know, they pretty much noticed that, like, the outside community was noticing what they were doing, and they are afraid to get caught. Yeah. Yes. Despite the accusations of male practice, the research did lead to minor breakthroughs in the study of the disease. <laughs> okay, it does... So they did <laughs> some good info I don't care. It, it does there sound like some what... some people that actually got praised for, like, the research. Oh, fuck they them. From your notes, it really seems like every that's what everybody was assuming, is that they were infecting these kids. Yeah. It, and if that's what they did, I don't care about the minor breakthroughs they got. They can... That's what... That literally... It didn't outweigh itself. It no. Really wow. So, by all this time of all this shit happening, the facility had developed a reputation, like, as being the warehouse for mentally disabled... Due to its overcrowding and it's like really shitty fucking conditions. Oof. Yeah, insanely shitty conditions. Several reporters wrote pieces uh, on like the poor conditions of the facility as well as like the major neglect and abuse that patients suffered. By the 70s, a uh, class action lawsuit was actually filed against the state of New York behalf of its patients. The American way. Sue them! Oh, yeah, get that money, son. I mean, they deserve it. Yes, yes. that's true. <laughs> they do. This, like, this case right here, the one against New York on behalf of the patients, was really a big part and very, like, somewhat responsible for the federal law protecting institution individuals in the 90s or in the 80s institutionalized Inst- yes institutionalized individuals okay yes. do you know what that law was pertaining to what did it protect them from just like male pride like they still have rights even oh, okay. though you gotcha. know what i mean the so the school was actually closed in 87 with parts of uh of it being repurposed for Staten Island College. They love to do that. It wasn't, I don't think it's really a lot of it. I couldn't pull up, I wanted to pull up pictures to see a lot, but I don't think it was actually any building or anything like that that was reused. I think it was more or less like an aesthetic walkway. I don't know what the fuck it was. I think no matter how many times you cleanse the area or bulldoze the building and build another or whatever, there's going to be some weird shit floating around. Yes. There's always going to be some weird ass shit. Yeah. Around. So, I'm going to do my case on Trenton Psychiatric Hospital. No idea what that is. Okay, cool. Perfect. It was uh, New Jersey's, like, very, very first public mental institution. And the place of one really brutal doctor and his fucking crazy methods and thoughts of how to cure mental illness because oh. he went to john hopkins john hopkins the school of medicine okay what does that mean i don't know he, he fucking just he was taught there and one of his professors had this crazy thought that he adapted and fucking ran with 
That's all, really. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. So, Trenton is... It, its campus is fucking... It's fucking huge. It's huge. Like, it's massive. And a lot of its buildings are, like, neglected brick buildings. And it's now, like, hidden behind overgrowth vegetation that and, like, crazy like shit. sounds like my dream. So, the crumbling structural structures serve as, like, a very stark reminder to a lot of the locals and older locals in particular. And, uh... It's actually still operating as a facility. How? If some of them are not open, and some of them are open, and there's new buildings. Well, we and went... guards are constantly doing building checks and perimeter checks and stuff like that. Like all the articles that I said, they're like just fucking email the institution, see if you can't get a guard walk if you really want to go. Really? Yeah. <gasps> but it have you. to be serious. Well, we went to, um, there, we worked in Grass Valley. We also attend a bluegrass festival in Grass Valley every year, too. I think we were up there for the festival. And I found this old abandoned psychiatric hospital in Grass Valley. And it was the craziest thing because we're literally like driving through this mountain, like, what would you call it? Like, not subdivision, but like community, kind of. It was like mm-hmm. a little neighborhood. And then you drive out of it. Like, literally, you just pass by the last house. And then all of a sudden, there's this sprawling fucking abandoned building with multiple, like, buildings off of it. And that was the only abandoned building that I've ever... Because, like, I love that shit. And if I can find a way in, I get even more excited because I can see the inside of the building. You've seen me. Yeah. And then I make your big tall ass <coughs> squirry through all the windows that I'm getting through or whatever. Anyways, so I, like, shit gets me really excited. We, everything was super fucking boarded up, like, nailed in. We couldn't get in anywhere. We'd have to vandalize something, which is not what I'm going to do. And I get to the top of the stairs. I go to pass over the threshold. It's completely dark in this part of the building. And as soon as I go to walk in there, I just get hit with this super, like, dark terrible feeling and so i didn't go in and i really fucking wanted to and something just told me not to and i researched it later and a patient came back and shot a 19 year old receptionist because he couldn't see his doctor there and that's part of the reason it closed down anyways it was more than that but yeah he was oh it was a huge case i'm gonna do it so i'm not gonna get into it yeah anyways uh trenton psychiatric hospital originally was named new jersey's uh new jersey state lunatic asylum and it was founded in 1848 by uh is this right dorothy dorothea dorothea lind dix that's not that's dorothea it's dorothy doesn't matter okay miss dix miss dix and she was a mental health advocate. Aww. It was the first public institution, like I said. And it actually was promoted for its, like, patient privacy and welcoming natural environments. Because it was in New Jersey in the sticks. All the way back in 1848. Damn. Progressive. But, yeah. A lot of truth. Crazy truth. Uh, anyways, in 1907 is when Dr. Henry Cotton became the hospital superintendent. He must be the dickhead because his name's stupid. And doctor, yes. <laughs> He's not so good of a doctor. 
he believed infections were the root cause of all mental disorders. Okay. That was the, like, thesis that I said that he picked up when he was studying that Jebel Cotsons. Wow. So, like, you have an infection and that's why you're schizophrenic. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, he performed a bunch of different surgeries as treatment. Him and his staff routinely butchered his fucking patients, literally. He cut out teeth, gallbladders, stomachs, colons, testicles, ovaries. Stomachs? Yeah. You can't cut out stomach all the stomach? No. Oh, so you like can't. big parts of the stomach. Probably. Still, fuck, okay? Yeah. For no reason? And Cotton actually claimed that he achieved a cure, like, like rates near like 85 to 90% of all of his patients during his tenure. Okay. Yeah. Yet, his death rates, like, his death numbers were dropped, like, drastically high. At well, one point, they said it was, like, one one in three patients died after surgery. That's why his success rate's so high, because if you didn't fix them, they fucking died because he killed them. It's still a success. Jeez. Yeah, and which was worse, many of his victims were actually dragged against their will into the operating room. Oh, God. Yeah. Dr. Cotton performed over 645 twisted operations in which he tried to save the mentally ill. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton and Joe? Hell? New Jersey. Hell. Evidently. New Jersey. And there's a lot more on Dr. Cotton, but that was just a brief. I thought that would be good. I like the three brief overviews. It was four, technically. Three brief and then one. We got an Instagram, too, by the way. Yeah, head us up. And a Facebook, Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. There's a little asterisk for the I because I yeah, can't put yeah, bullshit yeah. on social media. Also, we have a Gmail. Email stories. It exists. Do things. Send me something. Okay, bye. No, not yet. Booze, BS, and True Crime at gmail.com. And is spelled out A-N-D. Also, if you could please give us a nice review on iTunes, that would be great. It helps us out a lot. Save your one-star reviews. Take that one-star review. Shove it deep into your asshole and leave it there. Anything else? Subscribe. Like. Join. Tell people. Jump on it. Jump, 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 on, jump on it. it. That right. was not synchronized in any way. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.